Well, good morning, everyone, again. Those, those of you on Zoom, you hadn't heard me the first time. Um, those of you off Zoom and in the sanctuary, lovely to see you all here. Um, and um, yes, welcome to everybody here. Um, are we excited this morning to be in church and to be on Zoom and uh, to, to come and worship our God? Um, it's just amazing. I mean, you know, we can, we can come together as a family, as community, wherever we are in this world. Um, and we can worship our God, and that's just amazing. Um, just before we, we start, start our, well, before we go through some of our, um, our songs and stuff that we've got, um, just to go through the business side of things, on Tuesday down here at 8 o'clock, there is the church members meeting. It is not on Zoom. So please come down here and attend. It's here in the sanctuary. Please come along to vote. Um, and, and be part of that. If you're a church member, then I would encourage you to be down here at eight o'clock. Um, I don't think there's any other notices that we have. Just to say, we had an amazing barbecue. I wasn't here yesterday, but to all those who helped out in the barbecue yesterday, um, it was a successful day, I heard. Lots of food was eaten, so, um, and lots of the community were here, and that's just amazing and so fantastic. Um, and hopefully that's starting to build some bridges and we'll start to see some people coming in. So just keep that in your prayers, because um, a lot of the people who do Let's Do Takeaway Lunch were here, um, I believe. And, um, and you know, we've, we've now got a, a, great, uh, a, a great evangelistic tool um, in bringing people in. And food is always good, isn't it? Yeah. So Martin says yes. We know, we know where his heart is. <laughs> anyway, let's just pray before we, we, before we start. Father God, we thank you for your amazing grace, for your love for the way in which we can come into your presence this morning. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here this morning. Come and flood this place. Come and touch each one of us. Fill us with joy. Fill us with an expectation that you're going to move in our lives this morning. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So our first song is uh, Open Up the Heavens. And it's, it starts off with, we've waited for this day. Haven't we? We've waited for this day. We're gathered in your name and we're calling out to you. Let's give God the glory. We're here. 
Your love is heart is living for. 
Let's just bring our praises before our God this morning. We believe in God our Father. We believe in Christ the Son. Let's just bring our praise of thanksgiving to him this morning. If you're on Zoom, then please unmute yourself to bring your praise. If you're here in the sanctuary, put your hands up uh, or your hand up and then put your arms up. Um, and then um, uh, somebody will come with a microphone for you. But let's just give God the glory this morning. God has exalted his son so highly that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Therefore, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at work in you to work for his good pleasure. But on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body, Whatever your task, work heartily as serving the Lord and not men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Dear Lord, look at what you can do. Look at the biological arts, artistry of the creation, how the sun you know, once it's there, it turns everything even more so wonderful. And there is nothing you can't do. Nothing. You know, you can heal the sick. You could avert wars. You can do whatever you like, basically. And you own this, this wonderful stuff, this, this, this Holy Spirit. We are often bogged down in reticences, cares, worries, preferences, old things. And they all affect often too much what we do, what we try to do for you. I, I ask that you release us from that. I ask you that you release us from all these reticences, preferences, and so on, old things cares which we naturally have, worries, 
ailments so that even if we have them we can enjoy you to the fullest Amen. so i asked for a little bit of the holy spirit to go into the winter with to be a sheer joy amen amen <laughs> When I look into your holiness, when I gaze into your loveliness, Lord, when all things that surround me turn shadows in the light of you, Lord, when I found the joy of living in your heart. When my wheels become central in your love, Lord, when all things that surround me, they turn shadows in the light of you. Help me sing, George. I worship you. Beautiful, thank you.
Thank you, you are Lord of everything. You are the Lord of this church. You are the Lord of the kingdom. You are, we want you to be Lord of our lives too, Lord. Just help us to be open to you, open to your Holy Spirit. Lord, we're here because of your love for each one of us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your obedience to dying on that cross for each one of us. We don't deserve it. We'll never deserve it, Lord. But in your grace and your love and your mercy, you've just poured out that upon our lives, Lord. Just thank you that way you want to bless us, Lord. You want to continue blessing us. We fail you but you lift us up each time lord just thank you for your love and your mercy thank you lord amen Lord, it's good to be in your presence this morning. It's good to hear the heartfelt praises of your people. Amen. Lord, from, from the deep wells of our soul, yeah. you've, you've commissioned praise this morning. Thank you, you've commissioned us to, to sing out to you, to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise, and the thanks that's due your name. Yeah. It's not for anything that we've done, it's for everything that you've done. Amen. And Lord, it's because of that, because of your sacrifice, because of the love that you first showed us, that we can show love to you. Um, Lord, it's not something that we manufacture. It's not something that, that, that we can just bring out. Lord, it's something that comes from the spirit within us, moving within us. And we thank you for that. Yeah. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here with us this morning. And we bless you. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, our Father. Amen. 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 Well, thank you. It's been, it's been amazing just being in church this morning so far. God's going to do amazing things this morning. I can feel that. So um, we're now going to, to have the next installment of, of Mark's uh, um, video. So looking forward. To, I'm always looking forward to this. Mark sends this to me during the week, but I don't watch them because I like to kind of be surprised on the Sunday morning when I see them. Um, so the reaction you get from me is, is genuine. So <laughs> anyway, over to the, the team.
Hi everyone. Hi everyone. Hope you've had a good week. So today we're continuing to look at the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. And as I was thinking about the Holy Spirit, I thought, well, the Holy Spirit is God, isn't it? But Jesus is also God and the Father is also God. But the Bible says there's only one God. So it got me a bit confused and I've always, we call it the Trinity as Christians. I've always been a bit confused about the Trinity because how can there be God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit? Three gods, and, but only one God. Because I think I'm quite good at maths and I can remember way, way back, many, many years ago, when I was just a small boy. I know, it's hard to imagine, isn't it? But I can remember being taught to add up, and I'm sure that if I add one plus one plus one, I get three. But the Bible tells us that one plus one plus one is one. And as I said, we call this the Trinity. So I thought maybe we could look at some ways to understand the Trinity a bit better, help us to, to see how it all fits together. And as normal, I've got some props to help me. Um, so here, I've got a box of eggs. I'm just gonna take one out. And I think we can all agree, this is just one egg, isn't it? There's more there, but this is just one egg. But an egg is a strange thing as well, because it's sort of three things in one as well, isn't it? We've got the shell round the outside here, as, as you can see. But if I crack it and open it up, we can see what's inside. So we'll just crack it and I'll open it over this bowl I've got here. There we go. And now I've got the shell here, which I'll put in the bowl next to it. And I don't know if you can see, but in this bowl, we've got some clear sort of liquidy stuff. Um, and that's called the white. And then in the middle, there is a yellow bit. And that's called the yolk. So I wonder if I can separate these out as well. I'm sure I can. Oh, it's, it's, it's a bit icky, but I think I can do it. Hang on, here we go. There, oh, I dropped it. Let's go again, there we go. So here we've got the yolk, and I'm gonna put the yolk in this bowl. So now we've got a bowl with the white and the yolk, and another bowl with the shell. So an egg is also three in one. And so we could sort of think about God like an egg, but it's not the whole story, is it? Because as Christians, we believe that the Father is fully God, that Jesus, the Son, is fully God, and the Holy Spirit is fully God. They're all made up of exactly the same stuff, but an egg isn't, is it? An egg is quite different. The shell is very different to the white, and it's very different to the yolk. So that doesn't really fit, fit the bill, does it? So I was thinking, how else could we explain it? Um, so let's just get rid of this lot here. And I started thinking about water, because water's odd as well. So I've got a big jug of water here. Oh no, I've just spilt water all over the table here. So as you can see, water is liquid. It, it's runny, it flows all over the place. But 
What happens if I put water in the freezer? Well, if I freeze water, it turns to ice, doesn't it? And ice is solid, it's hard. And what happens if I put water into a kettle? And I've got a kettle here, I'll just get it up. Well, a kettle boils and steam comes out of the top of the kettle, doesn't it? And I can't see steam because the water turns into a gas. So water can be three different things as well. But the amazing thing about water is, I don't know if you've ever heard water called H2O. I, I have. And, and it's called H2O because that's what it's made of. It's made of hydrogen and oxygen. And the amazing thing is, whether water is liquid, whether it's solid in, in ice form, or whether it's steam coming out of a kettle, it's all still H2O. It's all exactly the same stuff, not like the egg, but water stays the same whatever state it's in. So could we think of God being a bit like water? Maybe the Father could be thought of as ice. It's solid, it's hard, it's firm. So God the Father is our firm foundation, isn't he? In Psalm 89, verse 14, it says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness goes before you. So ice could be God the Father. Maybe the liquid water we could think of as God the Son or Jesus. Because we use water to wash ourselves, to clean ourselves and to clean other things, don't we? And Jesus came to earth and he died on the cross so that we could be washed clean of all our sins. But Jesus is also referred to in the Bible as the water of life, the water of eternal life. So we need water to drink, to stay alive. But Jesus gives us our eternal life. And finally, the steam coming out of the kettle. We can't see steam, can we? But we can feel the effects of steam, or we can see the effects of steam. You've probably seen steam engines, and the steam powers the engine. And that could be the Holy Spirit that powers us. The Holy Spirit comes to teach us, to speak to us, to guide us. He works in us so that we can become more like Jesus. Because Jesus said, but when he, and that's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. And that's from John chapter 16, verse 13. So, as I said, at the beginning. The Trinity is really complicated, it's really difficult to get our heads around. But I hope through these examples, although they're not perfect, they give us an idea of how God is and how the Holy Spirit is. Thank you. Thanks Mark, that's fantastic. Amazing. 
So we, uh, before Martin comes to speak to us, we're going to have the reading for this morning. That can come up. So this morning it's from Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We've done that this morning, haven't we? Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray for Martin. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's life to each one of us. And Lord, as we come now to... to meditate and to listen up on what's going to be said about these verses we ask the lord you would just touch our hearts fill us again with your spirit we ask in jesus name amen, amen. Well, good morning and uh, welcome again, um, whether here or, or, or on Zoom. Uh, we're looking this morning with uh, what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit through a lifestyle of worship. So not just, not just worshipping on a Sunday, but every day, how can we be filled uh, with the Holy Spirit? So Mark very helpfully uh, showed us how uh, the Holy Spirit is one of the three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, he's telling us to be filled with the person of God, to be filled with God. Now, we can't see uh, God, of course, because he's Spirit. So what does it mean to be filled uh, with the Spirit? What does that look like? Well, you may have uh, heard talks over the years of... Uh, using various illustrations of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. So you may have heard the illustration of uh, the balloon, uh, that uh, being filled with the Spirit is like being inflated uh, with, with, with air. So the Holy Spirit is like the air and we are like the balloon. And uh, we are called to be filled more and more with, with more of the Holy Spirit and to be inflated that our ministry um, increases and our um, Christ-likeness increases as we're filled with more and more of the Holy Spirit. Or there's the, the kind of leaky bucket analogy. I don't know if you've heard this one, that, that we are, we're like uh, buckets that need to be filled, but we are leaky buckets. So we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again, because we leak the Holy Spirit. Now, I think both of those pictures are helpful to a degree. Um, for example, it's, they both talk about more. We need more of the Spirit. So just as a balloon needs to be inflated with more and more air, so we need more and more of the Holy Spirit. Um, and as a bucket leaks, so it needs to be continually refilled. So 
those analogies are helpful to, to, a, to a degree because, because they're about continually being filled with the spirit. And if you look at the tense behind the Greek, be filled with the spirit, it is continuous. So it is be, go on being filled with the spirit. So being filled with the spirit is not something that happens once for Christians. It's something that is to happen again and again and again and again. Um, so we're to go on being filled with the spirit. It's an ongoing experience for us. But actually, the language of being filled with the Spirit is better explained, not with the balloon or the leaky bucket, but actually of being filled with character, being filled with the character of God. Um, you've heard the expression, he or she was filled with rage, right? Yeah, they were filled with rage, or they were full of envy or they were full of anger. Well, that's the sense in which Paul means us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are to be filled with the character of God. We are to be full of the fruit of the Spirit. And you know those fruit, that fruit, don't you? Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. We are to be full of the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. Um, often when language about being filled with the Spirit is used, historically, Christians have got hung up on the manifestations of the Spirit. You know, sometimes when people are filled with the Spirit, they might cry, they might laugh, they might fall down, um, and all kind of, they might speak in tongues, etc. And that's all true, of course. But you'll notice when Paul speaks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, he doesn't go into detail about the manifestations of the Spirit. Um, he's more interested in the fruit or the character that the Holy Spirit produces. So kind of Paul isn't really that interested in whether you uh, shake or cry or laugh or speaking tongues or, or not. It's more about what the character develops from that. So some of you may have been filled with the Spirit and you've experienced a great sense of peace from God, right? But nothing else kind of happens on the outside. You just, you're just bathing in the love and peace of God, right? And there's no tears, there's no shaking, right? Some of you may have you've been filled with the spirit and you may have experienced shaking you you know even wobbling or you might have cried you might have laughed it doesn't matter what the manifestations are or aren't right um it's when we get hung up on the manifestations we miss the point of what paul is saying right which is be full of the character of god the fruit of the spirit is what's important. Not whether you fall over or shake or cry or laugh. It doesn't matter. God is doing a unique thing in each person. Most people I know, actually, who are filled with the spirit, uh, nothing appears to be happening on the outside, but they're experiencing a lot on the inside. That's more common, actually, than other manifestations. I'm, I, I don't know why God works with me in this way, but I tend to be... I tend to shake, uh, God has pushed, you know, I've tended to fall over. I, I don't know why, 
it's just the way God deals with you. Maybe I need shaken up a bit more than, than you. I don't know what it is. But God uniquely and gently deals with us uniquely, doesn't he? He doesn't force himself on us. And, uh, you know. How do I know that that's what Paul means? Well, I'll, I'll tell you how I know, because he tells us earlier in the letter, right? The fullness language comes in Ephesians 3, verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What's Paul talking about there? He's talking about being filled with the love of God. So the most important aspect of being filled with the Spirit is not actually whether you speak in tongues or not, or prophesy, or shake. It's whether you're filled with a fresh experience of God's love. That is preeminent, which is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, the greatest of these is love. Spiritual gifts are great, but Paul would rather that we loved one another and loved God, right? Okay. So Paul says, Paul paints a contrast. Don't get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine, verse 18, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Um, you know that phrase, he or she was under the influence? <laughs> well, that's because that's what the Holy Spirit does when he fills us, right? He controls or influences us. Alcohol controls and influences the person who is drunk, right? It's another of Paul's illustrations about what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Alcohol is a depressant, which means it, call, it causes normal brain function to be suppressed. So someone who is very drunk will lose control of their speech, their balance, their coordination, and they'll even have trouble walking, right? What does the Holy Spirit produce? What, do, what does his influence produce? Self-control, the opposite, right? Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, the opposite, self-control. In other words, the Holy Spirit brings an influence of Christ-like, character when he fills us the very opposite of what it means to be drunk which is to be out of control of our normal functions the holy spirit produces fruit over a long period of time if you're a gardener and i'm not but even i know that because we managed to grow tomatoes this year so we're going to go back to the is tomato a fruit or a vegetable and you're going to tell me it is a fruit so even I've grown fruit this year but I know I know that when you grow tomatoes they take quite a long time to, to grow 
And what I've learned this year is that tomatoes ripen all at the same time when you're on holiday. <laughs> Isn't that irritating? Why? So that, you know, you come back and you think, oh, those tomatoes would have been really nice a week ago, but now look at them. But fruit takes time to grow, doesn't it? It's a lot. It, and in us, growing the fruit of the Spirit is a lifetime thing, right? The Holy Spirit is transforming us and growing fruit in us over a lifetime. It's a slow, steady work of transformation. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. So how do we cooperate with the Holy Spirit so that we can be filled with the character of God and grow the fruit of the Spirit? Well, Paul gives us four ways which are all about a lifestyle of worship. Some of these ways are corporate, singing and submitting to one another in the gathering of the church. One of them, thanksgiving, can be done on your own or in church and both. But there is a close link between gathering together as the church to praise and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Um, Steve very helpfully mentioned that he could sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in our worship this morning, and I, I could too. It was wonderful, wasn't it? Just to allow the Spirit to move and to inspire songs. You know, spontaneous singing. It's part of what the Holy Spirit does, isn't he? He inspires praise and thanksgiving in spiritual songs. I believe we had a prophetic word here this morning as well, by the way. I felt the atmosphere lifted uh, when Steve prayed, something moved in the heavenly realms. I'm just sharing that with you. There was a lifting of, of, of suppression of the spirit. And there's a close link in the New Testament between gathering and praising God together. For example, we read about the early church in Antioch. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, let set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So while they're worshipping and fasting, the Apostle Paul was set apart by the Holy Spirit. In other words, there was a prophetic word in the context of worship that commissioned Paul and Barnabas to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And the whole world has never been the same since. And that was while the church were worshipping. A prophetic word was given, and the whole of this book, the, the, the second half of the book, came together. Or most of it, anyway. And the gospel went to the ends of the earth. That's how powerful the work of the Spirit is in worship, right? Today, we don't have one place, one temple, to worship God. If the church burnt down this afternoon, we could worship in the car park. We are the temple where the Holy Spirit now dwells, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? So when Christians gather on a Sunday or in a Bible study or in a prayer meeting, all of these mini temples come together, right? Yeah. You don't mind being called a mini temple, do you? Just for this? All these mini temples come together and the Holy Spirit dwells among all the mini temples in power. And this is why Paul 
clearly links worship, and, and I mean by that singing and praising, whether with psalms, hymns, or spiritual songs, with the coming of the Holy Spirit. Because when all of these mini temples come together, God's Spirit comes in power, which is why David says in the psalm, the Lord is enthroned on the praises of his people, right? He's present in a powerful way when God's people sing and praise him in prayer and song. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says this, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to the context. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. It's when God's people gather to sing and praise and pray that the Holy Spirit comes in power. Do we believe that? Yes. Steve was right, bang on this morning, because he said, isn't it great to be in God's presence in worship? Why? Because the Holy Spirit comes in power there. He dwells among his people in power when they sing. So the context tells us that you don't want to be missing too many Sundays a year, right? Because you're missing the presence of God's spirit dwelling in power among his people, right? This is the highlight of the week for me, honestly. Honestly. There's nowhere I'd rather be than in the presence of God's spirit. This side of glory, I don't want to be anywhere else. So this is the highlight for me. I don't want to be on the golf course. I don't want to be in Ikea, right? I don't want to be at a car boot sale. I want to be in the presence of God because this is where I'm going to spend eternity. This is where the joy is. This is where the power and presence of God is. Yes. So let's have a look at uh, how can we be filled with the Spirit? First, be filled with the Spirit by speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Um, people share psalms and scriptures, don't they? And that's great to hear. Um, we, don't, we don't tend to sing psalms here, do we? But we certainly share psalms. Great practice to do. Um, Spiritual songs. Sometimes that can be singing in tongues. I love it when we when we have uh, praise rising up in the church and, and people just begin to sing out in tongues. It's wonderful. Sometimes God gives someone a song to sing. The Holy Spirit prompts someone. Um, in fact, there were three this morning, weren't there? Did I count three songs that weren't on the list? Right? I love it when God moves outside of the order of service. Isn't it wonderful? I'm not sure what the musicians feel, but uh, it, it's, it's fantastic because we can always sing a cappella. I love singing a cappella, just the voices, right? Yeah. The Holy Spirit puts a song on our hearts and we just sing it out. Um hymns, more structured worship songs, hymns with deeper content of theology. 
it, 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 there needs to be variety in our worship. And as we hear um, people speaking out these words in the songs and the hymns and the psalms, we are strengthened and encouraged. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, listen, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Do you know what you're doing when you're singing? You're teaching the other people in the church. Did you know that? In other words, if I come in in a low mood and I hear Jude and Tony singing next to me, I hear their words. Do you know what happens? My spirit begins to lift and my perspective begins to change because as I hear people singing the words with passion, my perspective on life changes. God lifts me out of the pit of my despair and he sets my feet upon a rock. He comforts me. I experience his love through the singing. Um, that's why it's been so hard not singing in lockdown. Because that's what we're, we're built and designed to encourage, teach, admonish one another by singing. That's what it says in the word. When I heard um, people singing songs this morning from the heart, just singing out what the Holy Spirit had laid on their hearts, I don't know about you, my spirit kind of soars. I can feel the spirit kind of soaring in me, lifts me right up. So I was reminded of that scripture, you'll rise on wings like eagles. You'll run and not grow weary. It's powerful, isn't it? Second, be filled with the spirit by singing and making music in your heart. Paul says heart because the heart is the center of our will, our decision-making, our mind, our emotions. If you like, it's the control center of our being. So we are to sing and make music with everything that we are and have, with our mind, with our passion, with our emotion. We give it everything. We put our brain into it. We think about the words but we put our heart and soul into it, our passion into it. Um, Bob Coughlin, in his book, Worship Matters, I really commend this book to you, Bob Coughlin, K-A-U-F-L-I-N, it's called Worship Matters. He says this, music stirs up and expresses God-glorifying emotion. Our deepest, strongest, purest affections should be reserved for God himself, and he gave us singing to help us express them. Isn't that wonderful? Um, I don't sing to my wife because I'm not that great a singer, but I love her, and I do want to speak words of love to her. Shouldn't we want to speak words of affection and love for our Father in heaven from the heart? Can you imagine if um, on our anniversary I went up to Sarah and I said, look, I, I, looking at the date in the diary, I, I realized on the way home from work that it's our anniversary. And I was, you know, I left it late and I was swinging by this petrol station. I thought I really should do something because it's our anniversary. And everybody tells me that this is what men should do to buy flowers. And, uh, you know, here, here you are. 
that would be offensive and dishonoring, wouldn't it? But isn't that how we come to worship sometimes? We're going to come, we go, oh Lord, I know it's my duty. It's a Sunday and it's my grave duty to come and worship you, but I'm not going to express any emotion because that would be far too un-English. So I'm going to just declare my praise in a stoical, reserved, upright, stiff upper lip kind of way because it's my duty. How offensive to God is that? Aren't we built to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Some people fear emotions, don't they? I used to be one of them. You know? They think that maturity is about holding back, reserve, stiff upper lip. No, maturity is about openness, intimacy, emotions. We should be able to laugh, cry, sing, dance in the presence of those we love, shouldn't we? We do some crazy things as a family. I'm sure you do too. Do you know what I mean? Just behind closed doors. You know, we all do it. We have our little family traditions. We do mad things. We sing, we dance, you know, stuff you'd never want to see me doing especially on birthdays. We have funny little routines. Why? Because we're intimate and open with each other. We're not afraid to express emotion. Many people, are. some Christians today, I think it's a kind of legacy of the Victorian age, you know, stiff upper lip, reserve. It's unhelpful um, to fear being intimate with God. Emotions are part of what make us a human being. Jesus expressed emotion. He cried and was angry at the graveside of Lazarus. But he was also, I reckon, the most joyful person to be around. He, I reckon there'd be loads of laughter around Jesus, don't you? And he'd been great company. And that's what God wants from us. He wants us to be open and intimate and to use our emotions. Sometimes there'll be tears in worship as we lament for a broken and unjust world, as we grieve but often there'll be joy and laughter. And that's right, isn't it? Third, be filled with the Holy Spirit by always giving thanks to God, verse 20. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving is not just limited to Sunday. This is for every day. We should have a lifestyle of gratitude, shouldn't we? We have a moany world, don't we? We moan about the weather, we moan if it's too hot, we moan if it's raining, we moan if England don't get through to, you know, win on penalties, but we have a, now have a, we now have a, a fight, we, we have a winner, don't we? Yes. Emma Raducanu. Yes. We need to celebrate and give thanks as English people, don't we? We have a, we have a victor, winner of the, the uh, American uh, tennis, fantastic. We need to learn to celebrate and give thanks, don't we, as God's people, for the big things and the small things. We need to thank God for the sunshine, thank God for creation, thank God for the supply chain and all the lorry drivers that do an amazing job and pray for more of them. 
Thank God for the food on our table. Thank God for our families. Thank God for our homes. Thank God for our church. Thank God for an amazing day yesterday of weather that allowed us to have a, a whole load of people out the front enjoying food and fellowship. There's so much to give thanks to God for, but not least his only son who gave himself for us on the cross. You know TSP, don't you? I'm not talking about teaspoonful on a recipe. I'm talking about thanksgiving, supplication, and praise. Supplication, you know, praying for the, for the world um, and the church. Thanksgiving, big and small things. Praise, uh, petition, sorry, petition, praying for, for ourselves and, and others. Thanksgiving should be in all of our prayer life. And just when you're walking down the road, just give thanks to God for the bird song. Give thanks to God for the creation. Wherever you are, at work, give thanks to God for who he is. It's a lifestyle thing, isn't it? Worship. Thanksgiving is a lifestyle. It's been proved by psychologists, by the way. The psychologists are just catching up with the Bible. Those who keep a gratitude journal are happier and more content than those who don't. And I'm not talking about Christians. I'm talking about secular people. One of the remedies for mental health issues is keeping a gratitude journal, just giving thanks for basic gifts and things in life. We of all people as Christians are children of Father in heaven, the Father who gives good gifts to his children, right? So we should be the most thankful people on the planet, shouldn't we? Because we recognize that every good gift comes from above, the Father of lights. Fourth, be filled with the Spirit by submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The Holy Spirit comes on power, comes in power on a church in unity. When God's people are in unity and are submitting to one another, God's Spirit is poured out in power. Read Psalm 133 about the oil flowing down from Aaron's head onto his beard, onto his shoulders. That's all about the blessing of God's spirit being poured out on the church in unity. Psalm 133, look it up. When God's people are in unity, God's spirit comes in power. Do we believe that? What does it mean to submit to one another? It means to recognize that everybody in the church has been gifted by the Holy Spirit for a particular role and ministry. And to honor them and encourage them in that ministry. That's what it means to submit. So if someone's a leader, you honor them and respect them and encourage them in the role that they've been given, right? Doesn't mean you can't ever make comments or say, make suggestions. But our basic default position should be honoring, respecting, supporting and encouraging the roles that people have. So if you recognize that someone has a gift of mercy, you should be encouraging them to use that gift in their workplace, in their paid work, but also in the community and in the church. So you might encourage somebody with a gift of mercy to get involved with food bank or Christians Against Poverty, or Let's Do Lunch. If you recognize that someone's gifted in music, you might encourage them in that ministry, support them, 
and respect them for what they do. It, to submit to one another is to honor the God-given role and gifting that God has given each person uniquely in the church and to bless them, pray for them, encourage them in that role. It is to be not competitive. So if someone's more gifted than we are, we celebrate because the church and the kingdom benefit, right? Um, so we, we don't say, oh, I wish I had so-and-so's anointing. We just go, thank you, Lord, for their anointing because it's blessing your church and blessing the kingdom, right? And I'll use my role, my gifts, to play my part. The problem comes when we start envying other people's gifting and we get competitive with them, right? And we don't encourage them. We kind of bring them down or slander them or gossip about them because we're jealous of them, right? That doesn't bring an anointing of the Spirit on the church. That grieves the Spirit, suppresses the work of the Spirit. So we're to respect, honour, recognise and encourage one another in the unique gifting that God's given us, right? I wish I was as gifted musically as Steve, but I'm not. Um, praise God that we have a gifted person in music, right? I'm not gifted in music, but that's okay, because somebody else is. And we need everyone's unique gifting, don't we? I'm not gifted in computing and PA and Zoom and all the rest of it. I'm useless with IT, really. I, I get away with it, right? On the back of other people's gifting. But praise God for these guys who serve week by week, making it happen. Submitting to one another is saying, thank you, Lord, for these gifted people. Thank you for the blessing they are to the church and to the kingdom and respecting them and honoring them, praying for them and encouraging them, not seeing them as in competition. We're a, we're a family, aren't we? Families bring different things to the table in terms of their individual giftings. We work as one, one team, one family. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit comes in power in our unity. That tells me I need to finish. <laughs> so how about you? Are you a person of thanksgiving? Or are you a person who complains? Are you a person who submits to the gifting of others? Or are you competitive or proud or judgmental of others? Are you someone who comes to worship genuinely wanting to express your head and heart and give it all? Or are you holding back for fear of intimacy? Is there a part of you which is a product of your upbringing, church culture from the past? That was that prophetic word, by the way, very important earlier on. There was a prophetic word in the, here about not being chained to the past. I felt that was really significant. Some people are chained to the past, to your upbringing, to church background, to tra traditions, and we're not open enough to the work of the Spirit, right? Let's, let's, let's deal with that in prayer. Let's come before God. Father, thank you for your word to us. Father, I pray 
that we would be open and honest with you now in prayer. Lord, if, there are, if some of us are holding back because we have a fear of intimacy through, I don't know, through our upbringing or through our church history or background, let's deal with that now. Let's bring that fear of intimacy, fear of the Holy Spirit before God and ask him to set us free from it, to break the chains. Let's do that now in the quietness. Maybe you're, maybe you're harboring sin and that's suppressing the work of the Spirit in you. Maybe, maybe there's unforgiveness or anger or bitterness or hurt that you've not, still not dealt with. You need to apologize to someone or forgive someone. You need to take action as soon as you can after this service. Maybe that's you. maybe there's some pride in you maybe it's a bit of jealousy or envy of the gifting of others and you need to ask God to heal you of that and bring a, a submission to the gifting of others in you and to celebrate your own gifting let's bring Holy Spirit help us to hear your voice and to come openly and honestly repenting of our sin I pray now, Holy Spirit, you come in power and fill us afresh. Fill every part of our lives. Jesus, our prayer would be that you would dwell in us, in every part of our lives. Reign over us, Holy Spirit. Give us a hunger and a thirst for more, more of you, more of your influence, more of your fruit to grow in our lives. Give us a heart for intimacy, a heart that loves you, with heart, mind, soul, strength. Lord, forgive us where we've been holding back. Forgive us for our reserve, for our English stiff upper lip approach to worship, for our fear of intimacy. And Holy Spirit, as we draw near to you, we ask that you would draw near to us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Come and fill us, your people, afresh. Be the dwelling place for, in our lives that we might overflow with spiritual songs, psalms, and hymns to the praise, Jesus, of your glory. Let's stand and sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Let's make this a prayer for ourselves, for our own lives. Let's stand together and sing. So just before we sing that, Psalm 33 says, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. There's nothing worth more 
that will ever come close nothing can compare your living hope your presence Lord I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the atmosphere your glory God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence, Lord, your presence, Lord. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close, nothing can compare. Your tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome flood this place and fill the atmosphere your glory God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord your presence Lord become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your Spirit, you're welcome. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. 
think he's done with us this morning either so for those on zoom we're going to be carrying on here in the in the sanctuary if you want to go out for coffee those of you in the sanctuary then then please feel free but if you want to just be hearing God's presence um, giving him glory um, sorry for those on zoom for saying you can unmute yourself but you can't really <laughs> or if you can we'll just turn the zoom off but Anyway, we're, we're here to just do business with God this morning. I'm just going to pray a blessing, but we'll just carry on here. Father God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you're here with us this morning. We thank you that we're united together as one people. And Lord, as we go out into this place, this place today, we just want to see you working in our lives building the character and the fruit of the Spirit in each one of our lives. It's not about our manifestations, it's about us being more like Jesus. And so Lord, make us more like Jesus, we ask in your precious name. Amen. Psalm 33 ends with this. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In Him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, even as we put our hope in you, Lord. Your love shining like the sun, pouring like the rain, raging like the storm. Refreshing me again I receive your love Your grace frees me frees me from the past It purges every sin It purifies my heart and heals me from within
Rest in the Spirit as He ministers to us.